Harlem's Sonny Larry. Didn't you? He used to be the best of friends. We're still the best of friends. No, you're not. Who says we're not? Sit somewhere else. Now, if I've done something to you, just tell me what I've done to you. Well, you didn't do anything to me. I just don't like you no more. You liked me yesterday. Why does he not want to be friends with you no more? Why is he 12? What the hell's going on with you and me feckin' brother? He's dull, Siobhan. But he's always been dull. The other night, two hours, you spent talking to me about the things you found in your little donkey shite that day. Well, it wasn't me little donkey shite. It was me pony shite, which shows how much you were listening. If you don't stop talking to me... Colin! And if you don't stop bothering me, I have a set of shears at home. And each time you bother me from this day on, I'll take those shears and I'll take one of my fingers off with them. And I'll give that finger to you until I have no fingers left. Does this make things clearer to you? Not really, no. Starting from now. But shush like, Polly. You know, shush like. Yeah, I'd shush like. Would you not want him to have to do the one finger to see if he was bluffing like? No, we wouldn't. Because worse comes to worse, you can still play the fiddle with four fingers, I bet you. Going back to your own gang now, Parry. I'm talking to me! Are you? Why aren't you talking to Parry no more? That wouldn't be a sin now, would it, Father? No, but it's not very nice either, is it? Do you know who we remember for how nice they was in the 17th century? Who? Absolutely no one. Yeah, we all remember the music at the time. Everyone to a man knows Mozart's name. I don't, so there goes that theory. Can't be waiting around for any more of this madness. Let's just call it quits. We won't call it quits. We'll call it the start. Welcome to the Strange Harbors podcast, a weekly discussion of film, television, and pop culture. My name is Jeff Zhang, and tonight I'm joined by Amir Toure and Eric Wong. So tonight we are talking about Martin McDonough's new film, The Banshees of Inishirin, which stars Colin Farrell, Brendan Gleeson, Barry Keegan, and Carrie Condon. It is the latest film from the British-Irish playwright who has directed three other films before this. Should we jump right in and talk a little bit about Martin McDonough, what we've seen of his, what we haven't, maybe talk a little bit about the actors? Yeah, definitely. Uh, so are you guys familiar with Martin McDonough and his work? Yeah, some of it. So I think I know a couple of his more recent stuff. So like I saw Three Billboards. Mm-hmm. Probably just seen his last two movies. I haven't seen In Bruges. That's the other one I've heard of. Yeah. Uh, and I don't know Seven Psychopaths or Six Shooter. And then I guess he's primarily like known as a playwright, right? Yeah, he's mostly a playwright. I haven't actually seen any of his plays either, so. <laughs> Me neither. Uh, I've seen all of his feature-length movies. So I've seen In Bruges. I've seen Seven Psychopaths. I've seen Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri. Horrible name for a horrible movie, by the way. <laughs> Three Billboards? Really? I didn't. Yeah. I didn't hate Three Billboards when I saw it. I didn't love it. I didn't think it was that great. Uh, But what about you, Derek? I guess I'm a fan. I mean, I love In Bruges. I love Seven Psychopaths when I originally saw it. Yeah, I like Seven Psychopaths a lot, too. I'm not in love with Three Billboards, but I also don't hate it. Like, I think I have the kind of same reaction as um, Amir. And uh, yeah, the only thing I haven't really seen is, I guess, this short, right? Six Shooter? Yeah, won the Oscar for Best Live Action Short that year. 
Now I gotta go see it. If you didn't know that. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, also a big year for Colin Farrell. Done a lot of great work this year. And it's good to see him continue that trend here. I mean, he's been in After Yang, The Batman, and this, right? Is there anything else he's been in? I think that's it for this year. They're all mm-hmm. fantastic. Uh, when did you guys see the movie? I just saw it yesterday. Uh, I saw it over the weekend. Yeah, I saw it in Toronto a month or two back. I have not rewatched it since, so I think my memory might be the fuzziest out of all of us. Mm-hmm. So excuse me if I can't quote the chapter and verse. <laughs> the chapter and verse of the movie. So what did you guys think of the movie? I liked it. It's a bit strange and off-putting. I think I liked Decision to Leave more. Interesting. Because I think Decision to Leave is more likable as a movie. I don't know if it's a better movie, though, if that makes sense. Okay. What do you think, Derek? I'm going to go through a journey here. I'm going to describe <laughs> kind of like what I was feeling before I watched this movie and then while I was watching it and afterwards. Like I've already talked about, I'm kind of a Martin McDonough fan. I've liked his previous movies a lot, minus three billboards. And having heard the premise of this movie, I was like, this is absolutely my thing. It's very small stakes. It's about two guys or at least one guy who just doesn't want to be friends with another person, right? And having watched some of the trailers, I was like, oh, the premise of it all is just really funny to me. But as I was watching this movie, I found myself more and more disassociating myself with the story and the characters. And I think, I mean, you're starting to touch on it a little bit. Like, it's a really unlikable story. They're really unlikable characters. And I find with movies like this, I need to be able to latch on to something whatever it be. And I just really couldn't latch on to this movie as much as I think I have in the past of his. And ultimately, I think some of the comedy of this movie gets in the way of the development of the characters in the story. And I found that conflict a little bit hard to get around. But I will say that I think this is some of the best performances I've seen this year from Colin Farrell, Brendan Gleeson, I think Carrie Condon as Siobhan is great. I think Barry Keoghan as Dominic is it's incredible. Great. So like performance-wise, I think it's great. I think cinematography, like just the shots that he gets on this like secluded island are amazing. And I do think it's really, really funny. I found myself really enjoying like the comedy of it. But yeah, I, I think I can better describe what I'm feeling once we get into like spoilers. So I'm noticing that you're a big like tonal consistency guy because i think that's last the week- so one of the things i do like about this movie is and i don't want to get into it yet but there's a tonal shift that i actually really like in this movie oh really because it sounds uh, yeah. like you didn't like it that's not the issue like i said i think i could hopefully better explain myself once we get into spoilers okay can, like, Interesting. Talk yeah. about specifically. And at least from what you were hinting and it sounded like there was a pull between the darkness and the unlikability of the characters and the dramatic tone of the movie and the comedic black comedy tone for you, that's what it sounded like at first. At least that's what I was thinking. You were saying I didn't feel that at all. Like mm-hmm. I didn't feel any tonal clashing or difficulty with the black comedy aspect of it. It does just slowly evolve from a funny movie into a very dark, tragic movie. Mm-hmm. I guess just not everybody's gonna like that shift. It's not a likable change. Yeah, I don't actually think this is gonna be like a divisive movie, but there are definitely people who I can see 
going into this expecting one thing and coming out like a little taken aback by where it ends where up. Where it ends up. Even halfway through the movie, you, you yeah, can be surprised for sure. by where it ends up. For sure. I mean, not if you're familiar with Martin McDonough, though, right? <laughs> That's like, true. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. If you've seen, like, especially something like In Bruges, you could get, like, a sense of how macabre and dark he can get. But I fucking love this movie. I think it kind of sneaks up on you. It does a number on you where, for me, my experience was laughing throughout this entire movie. And then three or four days after this movie, I would just feel really sad and fucked up. You know? <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Because, like, the movie is very funny when you're watching it. But then, like, mm-hmm. it goes to some dark places and you're like, that was really fucked up and really sad, you know? And I think what I love about this movie is, um, first of all, the performances are great. I love the performances. I think we'll get into this a little bit later, but I think Colin Farrell is doing something really, really special in this movie that I don't think a lot of actors can pull off. Playing a dullard? (laughs) Yeah, playing a... All right, I mean, if you want to get into it now, we can talk about Colin Farrell a bit now. I think he's supposed to be playing this guy who, you know, the story paints as being dull. But I think there's this very delicate tightrope of having to play someone who is dull and have the performance not be, right? Mm Mm-hmm. And he walks this line of being this very sweet, likable guy who's also kind of dim-witted. And to play that in an interesting way without being like a wacky, goofy, oh, look at me how dumb I am, you know? I think that takes a lot of skill. And I think he pulls it off perfectly. That's what I like about his performance in this. I love his performance in After Yang, too, this year. And as the penguin too, but that's like a comic book movie. It's yeah, it's like a cartoon character, you know. But like, I think this movie asks a bit more of him. So I think this is like probably the best performance he's done this year, and maybe ever. I really like him in this. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, I really love the movie. I love the setting, uh, all the characters. Okay, not everyone agrees with me, but I think. There's a swinging pendulum of, like, sympathies where, like, at one point you sympathize with Colin Farrell's character, and then at another point you switch to, like, Brendan Gleeson. I think you can, like, see both sides of their spat. This movie talks about, like, male friendships in a way that you don't often see on screen, like male platonic friendships that I really like. Mm-hmm. I was howling with laughter, too, throughout this movie. And... I think maybe 25% of the humor comes from the Irish accents. (laughs) Much funnier in that Irish brogue. I will say I agree with Amir. I think I admire Decision to Leave more as a movie, but I think this is a better one. And I think that's why it's my favorite movie of the year. I really, really like this one. Interesting. I think Decision to Leave is probably, yeah, more technically admirable. Mm-hmm. Maybe this is a better movie, but I think Decision to Leave might actually be more likable in a weird way. Mm. Like, this movie is kind of mean-spirited and nasty. Yeah. Whereas Decision to Leave, for all the remove and kind of, like, restraint that he shows, it's still a romantic movie. Yeah, you're, there's you're tenderness sort of, and romance in it. And, mm-hmm. and you're sort of all on the same side, right? Yeah, yeah. Whereas this movie, it feels like you're not on the same side of the movies or the character. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or the characters, right? Yeah. This is definitely a complicated one. And I like the complication. That's what I like about the movie, so I don't know. <laughs> do you guys want to do a little recap and then some spoiler action sure yeah should we just give the synopsis of the movie 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm just going to read like the official synopsis. I think that gives a good idea of what the movie is about. A very simple premise, too. Mm-hmm. Um, so on a remote island off the coast of Ireland, Pedrick is devastated when his buddy Colm suddenly puts an end to their lifelong friendship. With help from his sister and troubled young islander, Patrick sets out to repair the damaged relationship by any means necessary. However, as Colm's resolve only strengthens, he soon delivers an ultimatum that leads to shocking consequences. So basically this movie is about this dissolving friendship between these two guys that used to be the best of friends. And from what I see, I think a lot of people have a hurdle of not seeing the logic behind some of the things that Brendan Gleeson's Colm does. Okay, that is my issue. That is definitely not <laughs> just issue. talking about spoilers here. Well, before we get into the big yeah. ultimatum that he gives, I think it bothers people that he doesn't really give a logical enough reason for him to just sever the friendship like that. Nah, I think it's perfectly logical. He explains himself I think it's fine. perfectly well. I totally think it's fine. And I think the setup to that is just fucking hilarious. It's where really Colin Farrell's Patrick is like talking to his sister Siobhan and it's like, Colm won't talk to me anymore. And his sister, Siobhan, played by Carrie Condon. She's fantastic in this, by the way. I love her performance in this. And she's like, well, maybe he just doesn't like you anymore. And then, like, the next scene is he goes to, like, confront Colm about, like, why they're not talking and, like, why he won't come to the bar and have a drink with him. And, like, you liked me yesterday. And then Colm is just like, well, I just don't like you anymore. (laughs) (laughs) That's fucking hilarious. That was so funny. So, yeah, I think the initial reasoning for this fallout between... Patrick and Colm is, I think, a little exaggerated, but I feel like some friendships are just like that, right? Like, you just fall out of love with someone, you're just like, I don't want to see this person anymore, and sometimes there's just no reason, it's like a buildup of a bunch of different things. With Colm, it's like, he has this reasoning of like, oh, he wants to focus on his music and make sure that he has a legacy to leave behind after he dies, and like, he doesn't want to waste time with someone as dull and boring as Patrick, right? Yeah, I think that bothered a bunch of people. I, I didn't think it was that. Like, it's very clear. You might not like it. Yeah. But his logic isn't unclear or inhuman. It doesn't take you out of the movie. Like, this is a thing that people do, I think. I don't know. It's just, yeah, it's strange to me that people would be bothered by that in, like, a logical sense. I get being bothered by it aesthetically or morally going oh that sucks like that's weird and unpleasant but i I don't get thinking that it's not something people would do because i think it's definitely a thing people do i would love to talk about this i can't really talk about this until we get to the turn right to the okay the ultimatum and like what happens so So, like take a set of shears and cut the recording (laughs) off now and uh come back in a few minutes after you've seen this movie. I know, we're right? About to talk about spoilers. We've been alluding to this ultimatum. Brandon Gleason's character keeps saying, like, I don't want to be friends with you. And Padrick won't stop. That's the the thing, right? Padrick will not stop talking to him and trying to renew the friendship and trying to make sense of why his buddy of God knows how long has suddenly decided to end their friendship and he just can't get it through his head. And it, it gets to a point where you know, even characters around Patrick, who I think were initially sympathetic to him, are saying, like, you got to let it go, man. Like, the guy doesn't want to be friends with you. You need to just leave him alone. And Patrick is kind of just finding any kind of flimsy reason to approach Calm and talk to him. And Calm is just really, really, really fed up. And so then... So, and then he basically gives him the ultimatum. Like, if you talk to me again, I'm going to cut off my fingers one at a time. You know, for every time you talk to me. And like a part of the establishment of this character is that he 
doesn't want to be friends with Pedrick anymore is because like, you know, Colm does seem a little bit older than Pedrick, right? And he's like at a point in his life where he realizes like, hey, I want to do something with my life, which is like a totally logical thing for, you know, people wanting to feel like their life amounting more than just friendships or the relationships they built. And he has a passion for music and he wants to create beautiful art or memorable music. And we learn that his character is like a fiddler, like he plays a, was that a violin or a fiddle or whatever you want to call it. And so he threatens to basically say like, hey, I'm so serious that I will cut off the fingers that I need to like fiddle, right, to play my instrument if you don't stop talking to me. And some might see it as an empty threat, right? Like who would really logically cut off their own fingers? But the next time Colin Farrell talks to him, he does cut off his finger. And we find it out in a very dramatic way, right? Colin Farrell has approached him, he's talked to him. And then like, I think the next day or hours later or whatever, he's at home just talking to his sister, Siobhan. And then you just hear like a thud on the door. And you see through the window that Colm is just walking away. So Pedrick goes to the door. He's like, what's going on? Like, there's like a thud. And I see him walking away. And then when he looks down, he sees a severed finger on the ground. And, you know, Colm is serious. He does cut off his finger. Like, this is that tonal shift we were talking about. Like, I was not bothered by this. I think it adds to the seriousness of this situation. But I also think it's kind of funny that it's so serious that they would cut off their finger. Mm-hmm. I don't know. What do you guys think of the situation? I'm not going to forget the thud of Calm's finger on Patrick's door. It's one of the most memorable things in movies all year. So, yeah, I liked it. It's super indelible in the mind. Pretty insane. Um, and it just goes to show how, like, in a realistic movie about real people, like, a trauma like that carries so much more weight than, like, I don't know, Black Adam electrocuting a bunch of mooks. <laughs> <laughs> Just the thought of that finger is, is going to stick with you. I really liked it uh, as black as it is. I, 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 did, I do think yeah. it's an excellent turn for the movie. It's not realistic. Like, it's not really something that anyone would do, but like, I think that dark exaggeration is just perfectly in Martin McDonough's wheelhouse. And I think it just outlines how, you know, like, this town of Inishirin is, like, picturesque and it's beautiful. And it's beautifully shot by the film's uh, cinematographer. But it's, like, a bleak and depressing place, right? So, like, this disintegration of this friendship... Um, I wrote in my review, like, in any other place, in any other time, this is, like, an early 20th century version of, like, a ghosting, right? But, like, you can't ghost someone <laughs> when you're trapped island. in this little yeah. town on an island, right? So, like, what are you going to do? Patrick is, like, you know, he's incessant on, like, trying to find the origin point for, like, this enmity between them. And he, he can't get it. And he just won't stop, right? So I really do like the dark comic turn that this movie took and i'm always reminded of that scene in the bar where Colm first gives the ultimatum is like starting now mm-hmm. and then Patrick is like but i still want to and then everyone in the bar is like, like yo shut the fuck up yeah. you know? <laughs> <laughs> like everyone understands how serious he is but like Patrick just can't like let it go yeah okay so now that we kind of explain the ultimatum like explain what happens 
I think I can now maybe better talk about like how the tone kind of clashes, I think, with the development or the establishment of this character in the story is that I talked about having this premise be really funny and like really something that drew me into this story initially, like, you know, two lifelong friends that like just their relationship dissolves. Like, I'm so in for this. And I think that his dedication or this like really adherence to like Colm's reasoning of him just being dull is funny at first. And I think it's his Martin McDowell's like resolve to like stick to this answer no matter what. Like there's multiple scenes where like Siobhan's like, just tell me the truth. What is it that is wrong with my brother that you don't want to be friends with him anymore? And he just keeps saying like, he is dull. Like I don't need him in my life anymore. And like, that's totally fine. Dude, I, oh, sorry. I, I do like that Siobhan's like, but he's always been dull. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's fucking hilarious too. <laughs> this idea that he's like sticking to is like super funny, but like and maybe this is hitting a little too close to home. Like last couple of years, I'm going to say this on the podcast because like none of my friends actually listen to this podcast. Um, <laughs> is that, like I have had this very same thought. Like I've like thought about like friends in my life and I'm just like, man, maybe I should just cut these people out. I'm like done with them. I don't know if I really want to be friends with them anymore. But like to have a reasoning like them just being dull for me is not good enough to the point that I would one cut my fingers off. Right. And then two, to speak about your passion, to want to create a purpose for yourself, but then to actively eliminate your ability to do that doesn't make sense to me. Like he needs his fingers to create the music that he's so passionately saying that he wants to do. And that's part of the reason why he doesn't want to be friends with Hedrick. But then Mm -hmm. to take it to the extreme of like actually cutting off his fingers, like, well, do you really not want to be friends with this person or do you really want to like create the music that you want to yeah i I don't know i mean it does calm need those fingers to make music because we see him making music without those fingers later on yeah okay so moving plot along more he threatens him again right and says like if you talk to me again i will cut off the rest of the four of my fingers it's his left hand and Pedrick again does not heed this warning and talks to him again and he does it he cuts off the rest of his fingers but I think the story is smart in establishing that he's already written like the Banshees of Inishirin before he does this. Mm. You can kind of see it as like, oh, maybe he has created the piece of art that he wanted so he doesn't need his fingers. But I don't know. You see him like struggling, like trying to play beautifully anymore after he cuts off even the one finger. And I, like that scene for me was like maybe like question his motives in this. Like, is there a really deeper meaning to like you not wanting to be friends with? you know, Pedrick? Or is it like, do you really care about the music? What is this character really about? And it was really hard for me to like, wrap my head around it. Okay, so here's what I'll say about that. I think it is illogical and exaggerated. But I actually don't think it's like contradictory Mm -hmm. to the character because this ultimatum, that's what like gives it power, right? Like, Mm -hmm. to the extent that I do not want to associate myself with you, I will cut off the fingers that allow me to do the thing that I love just so I can get through to your thick skull that I do not want anything to do with you anymore. You know what I mean? So I think that's the exaggeration there that kind of makes sense to me. But it is like very dark and grotesque turn for this movie that I don't think a lot of other people would be on board with. To that point, one of my favorite moments, I watched this movie and two seats down for me was this two elderly women that came to watch this Martin McDowell movie. 
And the moment when like all the fingers get cut off, one mm-hmm. lady just leans over to this like, why did you take me to this movie? <laughs> <laughs> because I think, you know, like watching his other movies, they're not as this is like maybe the most visceral, I think mm-hmm. uh, he's been in his movies. Just like the shots of uh, the fingers cut off are just really gruesome. It was just so funny to me. Just like, why are we here? <laughs> The fingers do give one of the funniest moments in the movie, though, which is uh, Calm's dog grabbing the shears. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> As if to prevent him from doing it. Yeah. But, but you know it's not going to be enough. It's yeah. brutal. Yeah. It's very, very, very funny. There's, I mean, there's a lot of really funny moments. There's a there's lot of funny bits. All of Calm's interactions with uh, the priest in confession. Oh, my God. Those are really are funny. hilarious. Yeah. It's just, it's very funny. And we haven't spoken at all about Dominic, mm-hmm. Barry Keegan's character. Yeah. What a great, sad, and tragic character. Dude. Man, that's so fucked Incredibly up. affecting, <laughs> incredibly fucked up. So he's like, I mean, I don't know if there's a good way to put it. He's the local village idiot, kind of. Like, he's... Actually, yeah. He's clearly, you know, Kerry <laughs> Condon's uh, Siobhan is talking to Patrick. Patrick is asking, hey, so, like, am I dull? And she's like, no, you're not dull. And then he says, okay, but, like, if you were to rank all the people on the island in, yeah. in dullness, where would I fall? <laughs> and she says, well, Dominic is clearly the dumbest one on the island by miles. And then he's asking her her number two is, and she won't say. Yeah. <laughs> it's so funny. Even, like, even if it's a mile's distance, like, who's number two? And she just <laughs> won't answer the question, which I thought was really funny. <laughs> it's really funny. Um, so Dominic is kind of, uh, I guess, not the brightest bulb in the shed. But he's very funny, very human. Um, and he's had an incredibly fucked up life. So yeah, I don't, I don't know exactly how old he's supposed to be, but he's a younger man. Um, he still lives with his father, and his father's the local policeman, and he's physically and sexually abusive to his son. Mm-hmm. And I guess I don't know how much of that is known uh, in the town, but I guess it's tolerated. It still goes on under everybody's noses, I guess. Yeah. It's really messed up, and Dominic clearly like has difficulty interacting with people, especially women. I guess there's like no romantic prospects for him on the island. He tries to ask out Siobhan, who gently kind of turns him down. She's like, I don't know, 20 years older than he is and just like the local sort of brains of the operation, you know, to his sort of local dullard. Um, yeah. And he's just a super sad character who uh, comes to a bad end. He's friends with Patrick. He um, conferences him a little bit throughout this feud, keeps him company, and uh, eventually sort of turns on Patrick when Patrick does something very mean in sort of pursuit of rekindling his relationship with Calm. And uh, then I guess the next you see of Dominic is his death, I think, after that, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's two really, really tragic great scenes that I think involving Dominic. Like you mentioned one earlier where his scene with Siobhan, mm-hmm. his nervousness. I love he's like, I think I know the answer to this already. But I'm just going to ask anyway. Do you think we could ever be together? Even, you know, when I get older, as old as you. And she's like, yeah, I just don't see it happening. And it's just so heartbreaking because like Siobhan also like... Carrie Khan is great in this role. And like, I think this is one of her best scenes where she is trying to be as sincere and nice about it, but also just honest with him. And I, I thought it was a great yeah, scene. Yeah, she does it in a very gentle way. And yeah. I, 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 yeah, it was a great scene for both of the characters, for both of the actors. 
And then the other scene was just when he has that final interaction with Colin Farrell's character where he's like, this person that I've been trying to be friends with is also just as mean as everyone is. I imagine like everyone on this island is pretty mean to this kid. And like, Mm -hmm. I think he thinks that Patrick is probably one of his only friends. And then for him to realize that Patrick is just like everybody else and like. It's so sad. And to be clear, Patrick isn't awful to Dominic, right? He's awful to somebody else and Dominic kind of can't put up with that because, you know, Patrick is uh, well known around town as just being a nice guy. Yeah. He's maybe Mm -hmm. a bit dim, but he's sort of nice and nice to everybody. And that's one of the qualities that I think draws he and Dominic together. And uh, yeah, Dominic is heartbroken when he finds out this isn't true. Yeah. Yeah. That's really sad. And the earlier scene you talked about is sad too. And in a way – you don't know, and maybe this is just like modern media is priming us for this, but like when Dominique is asking her in that scene, I'm like, is he going to do something awful when he's turned down? Yeah. yeah. You know, like, is he going to just lash out or do something mean or awful? And uh, he doesn't, you know, he uh, takes the rejection like a man and uh, he doesn't turn into like some kind of creepy, like incel murderer or some shit, right? Which is like kind of the yeah. way that. That's kind of the way that story would go now, right? If it was 2023 yeah. and not 1923. The awful thing he does is to himself. <laughs> so does he commit suicide then? I read it as him committing suicide. Yeah, I think so did I. just all the abuse from his dad, his disillusionment with Patrick, and then Siobhan's rejection of him, and then Siobhan leaving too. I think like mm-hmm. all of that is just too much for him. And I think like all this stuff just really sells Ina Sheeran as kind of a shitty place. I think... When Patrick and Calm's friendship dissolves, Patrick really realizes how desolate the whole place really is, kind of. Okay, so one thing I really do like about the movie is this barely there parallel with, like, the Irish Civil War, like, right across Mm -hmm. the aisle. Mm -hmm. And I think Martin McDonough could have done something very heavy-handed and just like, oh, brother against brother. Draw this mm, parallel, right. like, yeah, yeah, beat yeah, yeah, it yeah. into the ground. There's just, like, fighting and gunfire and cannon fire across the aisle. And, like, there's just a couple mentions of it. You kind of see it and you hear it. But, like, he doesn't make it, like, a sticking point for the movie to, like, draw that parallel too much. And I, I really do appreciate that. I think for you to just draw that thread and just leave it there, I think is smart, actually. I, I like that. Mm-hmm. Some people even thought that was a little too much, but I thought it was, I think it was like nice. Yeah. It's a very light touch. I don't think it was heavy handed at all. I do want to ask you guys, there's one scene that I wasn't quite sure what was happening. And I'm not too sure if it was something that was cut or it's just like, I wasn't reading it. I, I don't know how to read it, but it's a scene where Siobhan leaves and like she's on the boat and she sees Pedrick, you know, they wave to each other. She seems happy. But then she sees something else and like she's bothered by it. But then we don't ever learn what that is. There's something like in the background that's like kind of shadowy behind Pedrick when he's like waving to her. Like I don't know what that is. Did that catch your guys' eye at all? I think that's calm, isn't it? I've read some people think it's calm. Some people think it's Miss McCormick because it looks like there's like a stick, right? Oh, maybe. I thought some people thought it was Dominic. Like, she might have seen Dominic kind of, like, standing on an edge or something. So, wait, you thought it was calm? I could be wrong. I mean, I don't know. It's not very clear. This is somebody in the distance, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, it could very well be Dominic. I don't know. I, I didn't read too much into that. I thought the point of the scene was the parting between brother and sister and her sort of 
leaving him to his own devices, yeah. mm-hmm. kind of knowing that he's not going to be able to make it on his own. <laughs> <laughs> because we haven't really talked uh, so much about Carrie Compton Siobhan, but um, she's obviously his sister. I don't know if she's supposed to be the older or the younger sister, but, you know, she's clearly the smart one in the uh, family and in the town. Even um, uh, the guys at the bar who are Patrick's friends are like, eh, Patrick, you're not much of a thinker. Your sister, though. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He's like, I think. They're like, no, you don't. <laughs> it's really, really funny. And, you know, she's correcting Column on the uh, century in which Mozart was born or whatever. Like, she's yeah. clearly too smart for this tiny little town. Mm-hmm. Um, clearly. And it's unclear exactly what uh, they do for survival. I assume they're subsistence, like, farmers, and they sell their milk in town or whatever, she and Patrick. But it's like she kind of hangs around the house and – does the daily chores, she does the laundry, she does the cooking, she cleans up after him. She kind of does all the these household things. I don't know what exactly what else it is that she does or what they do, but their parents have passed away maybe a decade or so ago. And uh, they're just living together, brother and sister. They're sort of both unmarried, even though they've got each other. They've lost their parents, they're both sort of alone. And she's maybe even more alone in this town because her only friend is Mrs. McCormick, who's like one of the fucking witches from Macbeth. Jesus Christ. So... <laughs> And she doesn't even like her that much. So uh, when she gets the offer to uh, work at a library on the mainland, she jumps at the chance. And she's got to leave her brother behind. He's also unable to leave, right? She writes a letter inviting him to come to the mainland and leave Inishirin behind because it is small. It's insular. It's literally an island, but it's this, it's a small, desolate island. Not many people on it. And this conflict between he and Calm is not going to go away. It's just going to fester. There's no way to get away from it. You can't just ghost the guy. Uh, there's no one else to make friends with. There's no intellectual life there. There's really nothing appealing there for her anymore. But he's just so wedded to the island and to tradition. And he's, he's unable to leave. He'd rather live in this feud than leave. Yeah. I guess the last big kind of thing, I think, Pedrick has a pet donkey, right? Named Jenny. Named Jenny. A miniature donkey. Yeah, I'm sorry. Miniature donkey named Jenny. I guess I wasn't paying hard enough attention in this movie. Um <laughs> That, you know, it's like his pet, right? Like his sister yells at him saying like, you don't let that thing in the house, right? It's a donkey. But, you know, Patrick really cares about this thing and doesn't want it to be outside. It's like a really sweet pet that like comes in and like greets him and like... Jenny's a very cute pet. Yeah, Jenny's very cute. Yeah, very cute, right? And, uh, you know, we already mentioned earlier in this movie that Calm drastically, you know, cuts off the one finger, but then, of course, then cuts off the rest of his fingers and he throws the four fingers against the door and, you know... I guess Pedrick doesn't do anything about them. He leaves them there. But when he comes back, he finds that all the fingers aren't there at the front of the door. And he's following these like trail of fingers and trail of blood from the fingers. And which leads him to his dead miniature donkey, Jenny. You know, Jenny tries to eat the fingers and I guess chokes on one of the fingers. It's so fucked up and sad. It is so messed up. This is the thing that really is the tipping point for his character. That he then now threatens Colm saying like, hey, on Sunday, 2 p.m., normally when we go down to the bar, I'm going to burn your house down. And he does. He doesn't do everything he promises, but I mean, it does come to this kind of drastic end where like this quote unquote good person throughout this movie really breaks bad, I guess, if you want to put it. The whole movie, he's kind of been chasing after Calm like a wounded dog. Mm -hmm. I can't understand why you keep kicking it. When Jenny dies, and accidentally, Colm didn't mean to kill the donkey, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. After Jenny dies, it's like a switch flips in Patrick's head and he goes from love to hate, but 
not indifferent. He can't just leave calm alone. It's like, all right, I'm not like done with you. It's like, I'm going to burn down your house and I'm going to hate you for the rest of the time you're alive. Yeah. And like, there's the point where Siobhan sends him a letter and then when he writes back, he's like, oh, you know, I can't leave. Jenny's looking right at me saying I can't leave. And it's like, he's lying. At this point, Jenny's already dead. Mm-hmm. It's so hard. Looking back at him from donkey heaven. Yeah. This movie becomes very, very dark at the end. Very, very sad. Again, that doesn't bother me. It's actually, I think the second half I like more than the first half of the movie. Even though like, I think a lot yeah. of the humor comes in the first half. I just love cruel and mean-spirited stuff. I'm <laughs> I'm a stone-cold bastard, I guess. <laughs> is there anything else you guys want to say about the ending? and like Banshees of Inassurance as ACAB? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it does say ACAB. Dude, they make the one cop in this movie is a complete piece of shit. <laughs> mm-hmm. Physically and sexually abuses his own son. Just abuses the random populace. Um, he's a coward. He gets knocked out by Colin, who at that point only has use of one hand. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Dude, this movie is like virulently anti-cop for some reason. Well, and it's also like Pedrick sets Colm's house on fire. And it, it seems like the cop is coming to probably kill him. Right? Because he's already said the stuff about him like twiddling his son and then like set his friend's house on fire. Like I think this is all reason for this guy to basically come and get him. But then – that's the point where we as an audience and he finds out that his son like commits suicide, right? And like that was also very tragic when like he's about to get to Pedrick's door and then the old lady McCormick's like, hold on, hold on. Before you do that, come over here. And, you know, that's where we get the reveal of Dominic's suicide. And this whole movie ends without like a resolution to this feud either, right? Which I think yeah, is very fitting for this movie. You know, like... Calm apologizes for Jenny's death. Calm is like, hey, like, so uh, you burned down my house. I accidentally killed your donkey. Um, like, can we squash the beef? We're like, good, right? Yeah. I don't want to talk oh, to you, yeah, but I also yeah. don't want to be your enemy. And Patrick's like, no, fuck that. If you stayed inside your house as I burned it yeah, down around yeah, yeah. you, the beef would be over. But since you're still alive, fuck you. <laughs> and then Calm is like, uh, thanks for looking after my dog. <laughs> and that's the end of the movie. But he's like, anytime. Patrick's like, anytime. Yeah. <laughs> It seems like very reactionary at the time. Like, I do think they are kind of good. Not good in the sense that they're going to be friends again, but like maybe I think I read it like this is over. You oh, know, really? Like, I read it that way. I didn't think so at all. Because I think for me, it was the thanks for watching my dog. And he's like, anytime. You know what I mean? Like, I think in the moment he has to say like, fuck you. I still don't forgive you. How I read it, I think it's over. I didn't think yeah. so at all. Yeah. Uh, I still think they're probably donezo. <laughs> think they're just gonna kill each other <laughs> it's very odd right this is again yeah. the incredibly fitting and like realistic but not literally real type of thing it's like the parallel mm-hmm. to the finger cutting is the house burning down thing right mm-hmm. like i feel like in the real world if you commit arson and like attempted murder by fire or whatever about a lawyer um like as you were saying Derek, the cops would come after you and I think the human reaction from Calm would also be, like, more vehement. There'd be more, like, it's oddly fitting that even though they're doing these awful things to each other, they're also kind of cordial and exchanging these. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Th- these weirdly polite exchanges. It's just, it doesn't make literal sense, but it absolutely makes emotional sense. 
Yeah, I think it makes emotional sense. Maybe like cut the tension or something. I like that. Not moment. even cut the tension. It's like I, okay, so it's like this movie's obsession with niceness, right? I think, mm-hmm. and how that kind of behavior is ingrained in Patrick, even when he's you know, like you said, Derek, broken bad. But also even in calm, right? Like if you yeah. burn down my house around me. Am I just going to be like, hey, thanks for taking care of my dog? Well, it's also like the scene where like the cop sucker punches Pedrick, right? And like mm. Colm still like helps him. Yeah. Until the fork in the road. He doesn't say anything, but he helps his friend get home. Sure. Right. Or his ex-friend. But like, so yeah, there is like this air of like niceness to both these guys, even though like everyone keeps saying like they're not as good as they are. But I feel like there's a balance to the characters. At I least. love this niceness. It's like, I don't know, maybe it's that Irish Civil War thing. It's people who love each other, but are also still inevitably at war. Yeah. Maybe that's what it is. I don't know. Like I said, I think it makes... More emotional sense than literal sense for them to act this way. I like the line at the beginning of the movie when Dominic like first shows up. He's like, "Hey, I found this stick. It's uh, has a hook at the end of it, and it's to like reach things farther than arm's length." Is that the same stick that Miss McCormick has? Is the same thing that she uses to fish him out of the river? Oh, I don't know. I didn't make that connection. Yeah, I don't know. Like for me, I like the the symbolism, which is really tragic. Of like eh, village idiot was just like, ha ha, look at this funny stick or this cool stick, and then it's the same thing that kind of like pulls him out the river. I thought that was really really tragic. Maybe yeah, yeah. Uh, but also, I found what was one of my favorite and funniest lines was when Colin Farrell is trying to uh, convince that guy that he needs to go back to the mainland, uh, Colm's new friend that he's like writing music with. And then he tells him that his dad was hit by a... A bread truck. A yeah, bread yeah, truck. Yeah. And he's like, I can't believe it. It's like, oh, no, no, it happens all the time. That's a totally reasonable explanation. And then he's like, no, no, yeah, it's because my mom died by getting hit by a bread truck. And it's like, if it's the same bread truck, god damn it, I'm going to kill that guy. <laughs> yeah, it was very I funny. I thought that was so funny. <laughs> this movie is very funny. There are yes, a lot of is. great like one-liners. I mm-hmm. think we might be maybe underselling just how funny this movie is. A couple of things out that stick out to me. Patrick goes up to Calm while they're ha- having this feud. He airs out his grievances in like a very thoughtful and concise manner. And he's like aggressive and like he's assertive. And then after he leaves, Calm's like, I think I might actually like want to be friends with him again or something, yeah. which is fucking hilarious. He's like, that's yeah. the most interesting Patrick's been in years. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I do. I do think this movie's really funny and tonally. That's why I don't have an issue with it because I think it is so dark and bleak near the second half that I think the comedy helps to balance out really well, I do think. And I think he uses levity even in the second half to like really create a really balanced script for me. I just, like mm-hmm. I said, I have issues with some of the choices of the characters, mostly with the Colm character, that is, it's a little hard for me to get past. So is this towards the top of, like, your best of the year, Derek, or does this not really rise that level? Uh, you know, it's hard to say now. Full disclosure, like, we haven't talked about it yet. I also watched Tar this weekend, and I really like Tar. And I think I like Tar more than this movie. I might like Tar even more than Decision to Leave. And, like, I think it's it's really funny watching this movie and Tar next to each other like without giving too much of that movie away it's like about a destruction of a person right like of an implosion of somebody and i kind of see very similar themes here like the an implosion of like a relationship but also like more specifically like Patrick's character but i don't know yeah. i really like how tar approached it a little bit more so hopefully we get to talk about that movie if not i mean i think tar is probably somewhere in my top 10 at this moment and we'll see by the end of the year because there are still a lot of movies coming out by the end of the year that I really want to see and that I don't know if Banshees is going to make it. 
I think my top five is just like they're all within like a hair of each other mm-hmm. and how much I like them. Um, so right now I have well, my top three are Banshee's decision to leave and Tar, mm-hmm. and then Nope and Crimes of the Future shortly after those. So, I mean, they're all really, really good. I love all of those movies. Um, yeah, I really do like Tar, too. I can see why you like that movie that much. I don't know. I think just Banshees hit all the buttons uh, for me. Like, I think it stayed with me the longest. Um, and also just the sheer amount of fun I had at the theater watching this most Irish movie I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> <laughs> and all these great performances in it. Are you telling me Belfast is in the most... Irish movie you've ever seen? No, <laughs> Belfast might be the most Irish. It's also not a good movie. So, <laughs> Like if anyone was like, hey, should I go watch Banshees of Me and Sharon? I'd be like, absolutely. Like I'm not telling nobody to like not watch this movie. I definitely can recommend this movie. But maybe my own hopes got in my way. Like I was really, really hoping to love this movie. And I, I would say I still like it. I just, I don't know if I love it. Yeah. I mean, I think regardless of where it ends up for me, I'm going to be hearing the thunk of those fingers yes. in the door and thinking about that shit for like months. So yeah. it's always a good sign. I mean, at the end of the day, you've got to really, I did just do this this weekend and I think you got to sit with the movie for a while before you can really figure out how much it really did impact you. Yeah. Where does it sit right now? you think? It's up there. It's towards the top. Um, mm-hmm. Decision might edge it. Yeah. I don't know if crimes is probably not better than mm-hmm. this, but it's also in that conversation. It's in there, though. Like, there's enough memorable stuff in here that I think it's kind of earning its place. Yeah. Also, this movie is, like, interesting to go see with your friends because it's very hard to predict, like, what they'll think of this movie because we're going to go see it again on Saturday as, like, a double date with a couple of friends of ours. And I have no idea how they'll react to this. So (laughs) it'll be really interesting to see. I guess you saw it a while ago. I would not be watching this again so soon i don't think yeah even though i liked it quite a lot like there's just i don't know i guess yeah i guess i also still have a lot of stuff to catch up on that you've already seen yeah, 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 yeah and whatnot sure. but i mean i i would definitely not be seeing this again i don't know what a good double date movie from this year would be but it probably wouldn't i wouldn't have picked this one <laughs> <laughs> this is like taking someone to fucking titan or some shit that's not as fucked up as titan i would that's true that's true this is way take, more accessible than that. I take that back. I take that back. That's true. <laughs> Jeff, is this one of your like best friends that you've known for a while? No, kidding. you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> don't take a good friend, right? Don't go with Amir. No, it's kidding. <laughs> Might make you contemplate some things, right? Gonna realize how dull <laughs> Jeff is. <laughs> but I would like to announce that I am leaving the podcast because I just don't want to be friends with you. No, <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'll expect your fingers in the mail, motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> You're only allowed to leave the podcast if you maim oh, yourself and send us body yeah, parts. Once I cut some fingers. Otherwise, you're stuck for life. <laughs> that also reminds me of like uh, when Dominic's like, "Hey, you want to just uh, have him cut one of them off just to see if he's bluffing?" Yeah. <laughs> it was so fucking funny. <laughs> Dominic is so funny. It's funny and it's like sadistic, but it's <laughs> also what you're thinking, right? Like, yeah, yeah, someone yeah. could absolutely be like, "Let's just call his bluff." Right? Like he, he's not gonna do it let's just call his but you don't want to call brendan gleason's bluff yeah he'll fucking do it <laughs> yeah man but yeah i think uh we all recommend this movie i think if, if you can catch it 
But I think if that's all from all of us, that will conclude this week's episode. Jeff, where can people find more of your work? You can find me and my review of The Banshees of Inishirin on my blog at Strange Harbors. And you can also find me on Twitter and Instagram at Strange Harbors. What about you guys? Still on Twitter? You're not? No, still there. Still there for now. Do you have a blue check? I do not have a blue check. I have not bought a blue check. We need you guys to send in some money. So <laughs> Jeff can afford an $8 blue check. We're passing the hat around so Jeff can have I a blue check. I am not buying one just out of protest. <laughs> not like if my $8 means anything, but... I think you have to take a blue check if it's offered legitimately, like because you're like a yes notable figure or whatever. But I don't think you buy it. That's because right now there's like this distinction where you can click on the profile and it'll tell you like if you're verified because you're notable and they deemed you worthy of the blue check, or if you paid eight dollars. <laughs> but I am a little miffed that the algorithm's going to start suppressing like people who That's are what they're not saying, right? verified. Yeah. That's what they're saying. I mean. Elon Musk is just driving Twitter into the ground, but whatever. I'm going down with a ship. I'm going down with a ship. I've worked hard to get to where I am on Twitter, so. Not going out without a fight. I'm burning down in the house, just like. <laughs> just like Calm would have. Yeah. What about you, Amir? Um, I guess you can find me on Inishiring. Contemplate which parts of the body I want to cut off to get out of this podcast. <laughs> Not a not a fishing your waterlogged corpse out of the river. <laughs> well, maybe that too. We'll see how the next couple of weeks go. What about you, Derek? Uh, I'm going to be begging for money uh, so that I can pay the eight dollars to be Stranger Harbors uh, with a blue check. No. <laughs> okay, that is the only legitimate use of of buying a blue check to troll people. Yeah, <laughs> that's the only legitimate use of uh, spending eight dollars. And I think if you're a funny enough account, it's worth it. So I've, I've already seen some good ones that have totally. Yeah. Maybe yeah. dollars in humor. So if you can make but, it work. <laughs> but seriously, you can find me at the world's okayest photos and screen agents guild on Instagram. But if you like this podcast, the easiest way to support our podcast is to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, whether it be Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or any of the other popular podcast apps. If you're listening to us on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, please do us a favor and give us a great rating. It really helps to get our podcast out to more people. Yeah. And if you have any questions, comments, suggestions on our episode on the Banshees of Inishirin, you can shoot us an email at jeff at strangeharbors.com. We like to get listener mail. Sometimes we read it on the pod. So feel free to do that. And we will see you guys next week. See you next week, everybody. See you guys then.